Welcome to New Hope Underground, home of the everlasting Gobstopper. Thank you for joining us for this special episode, an interview with radio personality, popular podcaster and author, Brand Hansen. And now here is your host, Darren Hansen. Hey, welcome to this portion of New Hope Underground. We have an interview today, and I'm proud to interview my little brother, Brant Hansen. Thank you. Let's... Thank you for those words. <laughs> I'm sure you love getting called little brother. I like it, actually. <laughs> You're a good big brother. We, uh, we're the only two in our family, so this is pretty much, I mean, no other brothers and sisters. So. Right, this is it. And um, I tell people very frequently... And if you're listening and you've got siblings that you don't get along with, that's that's got to be very rough. And I tell people all the time how thankful I am for you and um, what what a joy it is to have an adult relationship with a sibling where there's very little tension. And um, so I know this is supposed to be the goofy part of the interview, but I just I think that's a really cool thing. And when I see other siblings that don't have that, I really feel for them. Cause that would stink. Well, I appreciate that. I feel mm-hmm. the same way. It's cool. We just we just pick up wherever we leave off. Totally. Yeah. There's and never. It's always been like that. Never a gap. And if you've been through enough stuff together, then you you can relate that way. If it goes the right way, it can go very right. So, yeah. That's cool. And we've had some great moments, even as kids, playing baseball in the backyard mm-hmm. with the tennis ball most of the time because you were afraid of a real baseball. Oh, totally afraid. And um, in <laughs> retrospect, I should have been. And <laughs> what was I should doing? More afraid. What was I doing exactly? What was I doing ever playing with a hard ball? I should never have been. But got here anyway. So that's good. No, we used to. We used to. Th- for some reason, we were enamored with the '80s Red Sox. Oh, totally. Yeah. Really. I don't even know why, because we weren't really Red Sox fans. I don't know how we imprinted on the Red Sox. It was '78, actually. Yeah, that it was, was even before the '80s. Yeah. And so we're little kids, but like for some reason, I don't know. They were just we were all about them for a while. Now, for the older audience that might understand this or have any interest in 1978 Red Sox baseball. Used to throw up uh, flies to me. I used to catch them against the wall, which was really a big uh, uh, propane, propane tank. tank. Yeah, right. <laughs> and yeah. I was I was always Dwight Evans, the right fielder for the Red Sox. Yeah, I was always Butch Hobson, the third baseman. The third baseman. And this is a team that was up 13 games in the last month and blew it. And <laughs> that was so heartbreaking. I remember when they yeah, when yeah. they lost. I think it was Carl Yastrzemski popped up to end the game, but I was listening in the other room crying behind a couch, like literally behind a couch <laughs> crying against the wall. You were kind of a Yaz <laughs> fan. It's fun, not, not that big, but they were just, they just blew it. Like, yeah, they did. They just totally crumbled to the hated Yankees and then had to play one game playoff against them, and Bucky Dent had a three-run homer, and it was... It was just like, no, this cannot be happening. I'm sure there's so many people at the sound of our voice who know exactly what we're talking about. Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, we've always had some good times. So I wanted, I wanted to, I'm down here in Florida, actually, in Brandt's studio. He's uh, graciously allowing me to interview him and also use his equipment at the same time. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. But uh, wait, here's the thing. I've already interviewed you once for this podcast. And so if you've never heard his other interview, it's still on there. I mean, you can go back. And honestly, I can't remember exactly what episode it is, but it's in season two, I believe. But um, we talked a lot about your podcast and your books that you've written and mm-hmm. and your your job there. So if you don't mind, 
we just summarize real quick because we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but just summarize what you do right now and maybe your books and what you're working on and your family and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, that's always hard when people say, hey, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, oh, I need to have a good answer. <laughs> so it's so hard to explain. I'll say I'll, I do books and I, I write books and I do radio and I work with Cure and Cure is this great hospital. I usually want to land on that, but it's confusing to people, all the other stuff. So sometimes, but I, I like to point people towards Cure. It's this hospital network that's very Jesus shaped. And as a, as a follower of his, I'm really excited about that. Most excited about that. So I use my platform books and radio and stuff to try to advance that work as I can. And I'm honored to be a part of it. So the, the books um, have been wonderful. And, and I only recently really started writing them. And then uh, the, the radio thing I've been doing longer and it's syndicated. It's on a couple hundred stations across the country. And then we do the podcast with Sherry, who's my awesome producer. So that's, that's it. And my family is me and Carolyn and cozy right now in terms of our in our house right now because our kids are grown up and our daughter's married and she's awesome brilliant it works with a foster care ministry helping kids on the edge and uh, our son is in the military right now and getting ready to go back to school so he's awesome so that's it yeah and you should tell, go ahead tell everybody where he's going to school because i know you're proud well he's going to apparently he's been accepted by yale medical school the school of medicine at fantastic, yale fantastic yeah and so we're looking forward to that. discount surgeries in the future. Absolutely. All the surgeries we could possibly want, just like <laughs> elective brain surgeries, elective heart surgeries, just stuff just for the heck of it. Believe me, there's been plenty of people who've uh, suggested brain surgery for me in the past. Oh, so. yeah. Well, then you can take them up on it, give out coupons. There you go. I could be one of those guinea pigs. Well, I know a guy. He'll do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. All, all sorts of orthopedic things he could do or neuro, depends on what he goes into. But that is his... His goal was to be a surgeon, so we were elated that he got accepted. It's, we're it's still awesome. celebrating that. We're Just, all proud of uh, both your kids because they're they're incredible kids. Thanks. And you and your wife, obviously incredible. She's Carolyn's been extremely hospitable, giving my own my own food and my own <laughs> toiletries and stuff, if you will, <laughs> sundries. Yeah, she's great. So that. it's been great. Um, I would want to say real quick before we get into some of the meat of this interview is that cure.org you need to check it out uh medical missions they work basically healing kids they work uh with kids for kids but not just i don't know if it's just kids it's not just kids but it seems right it is it actually is solely just kids. kids we are okay. a, a pediatric orthopedic and neurosurgery like operation and so it's for kids that have I mean, they're, they're in developing nations. They're poverty-stricken. Right. They don't have access to surgeries that people would hear. And so they wind up their whole lives living with disabilities that render them completely at the bottom of the, of the barrel in terms of the, the social structure, the unfair social structure. And they're treated and abused in horrible ways. So it's, it's a very Jesus-like thing to come alongside these people and heal them and then tell their families, actually, they're not cursed you were lied to that the kids were cursed or that you did something wrong and that's why they had this mm. disability. So that's what they do. It's totally pediatric, um, neurosurgeries, uh, but primarily orthopedic surgeries, what we do. It's amazing. So check it out. At least you can read some of the stories and also maybe even become a hero, which is some name of a person who gives. Yeah. It's like money. 39 a month or something yeah. like that. It's totally worth it. My wife and I support it. So 
maybe uh, maybe you can too. But I uh, I wanted to talk about just kind of that was a good summary of what we had talked about, obviously, honestly, in the past. But today, what I want to do is just chat with you just about kind of radio because you've been in radio for long time yeah now, you're in you do a podcast but your podcast is really your radio show that's actually syndicated on yeah. christian radio yeah so program. we take the music out of it right and because you can't even play music on the on podcast without licensing stuff or whatever so anyway it's right. just our part of the show and then we add some extra stuff on there too each time and not every time but most of the times now we have extra stuff so if you on. check out the brant and sherry Oddcast. It's called yeah. Oddcast. Yeah. Then uh, you'll you'll get some extra bonus material that, that's not on the show. Now, what's interesting around our area, we don't get your show like on any Christian stations around our area. There are some a little bit farther away, but we just can't pick them up. Yeah. So a lot of people aren't necessarily familiar with your show as far as the radio is concerned. Sure. Right. But they have heard you on local commercials all the time. Yeah. MediShare. Doing the MediShare commercials. And <laughs> He's on the radio in <laughs> Effingham. He's on the radio for MediShare. Yeah, that's really been fun. Like, I I just, I write those and I recommend MediShare for a lot of people. It's an awesome thing. So I I get offered things, which is wonderful. To, I never thought that would happen. But there's a lot of opportunities to, to be for things and be paid for it. And, um, but the MediShare thing, I just started making their announcements and I really admire what they do. And it's been a blessing for everybody. It's not the perfect thing for every single situation, but it's really good for an awful lot of people. Right. So I have no problem letting people know about it. It's, it's a ministry. It's a not-for-profit thing. So, yeah, but you may have heard the MediShare commercials. And if so... We're looking at it as we speak. Oh, really you know, good. You, yeah, because you, we've got to do something... Uh, insurance just amazing yeah, the, amazingly I'm, crazy I, I'm not trying to sell it uh, but it, it, it is cool because you do have a massive network and then of, of doctors you can choose from but also like telehealth and all that stuff and in terms of the interface it's really really good they're really really good at that so That's awesome. and I've heard from a lot of people they love the customer service so again maybe not for everybody yeah but, and I know we have some people in our church who use MediShare good so cool but but you hear him on the radio That's that was kind of my you know I that's that's if you if his voice rings a bell maybe you've heard it on a couple of our local mm -hmm. stations yeah. <laughs> but uh but you've been in radio for how long has it been i mean when did you first start in Gosh, radio i started in, in college i mean i did like 3 a.m to 6 a.m shift at the student station with on a saturday morning so it was once a week for three hours you went to the U of, U of i u of i yeah. and then the station was actually a cable radio station where you could only get it if you proactively hooked up wires from the dorm walls at the U of I to a radio or a stereo in your dorm. <laughs> so no one could listen to it in a car. No one could listen to it if they didn't proactively connect, the, like even know what that was for. <laughs> and there was... So, so not a big audience. <laughs> no, there was no audience, literally zero people. And I knew that for a fact because we offered cash money to the, like the first caller one time, like all the cash we had in our pockets. Just to was, see what would happen. Just to see if anybody took us up, but nobody, not one call. <laughs> no one was listening. Pretty soon I had friends coming in, just my friend Jeff, just to do the news. He just made up stuff. And then I would actually <laughs> sing along with the songs on the mic because it didn't matter. <laughs> Nobody cared. <laughs> They're just going nowhere. Nobody cares. <laughs> and so that, I started there, and then um, 
I eventually switched over to doing a weekend shift on a Christian radio station. And then they, I got my degree in journalism, so they, they needed a part-time news guy. So that's what I was doing. And then um, eventually that went full-time. So then I was just, I was a newsman. I wanted which to, station was? This was WBGO. Okay, now Champagne. everybody's very familiar with WBGO. Okay, good. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, so that's where that started. So we lived in Champaign. I was actually being a youth minister at the time. And I uh, was doing that every morning really early. I'd get up and come in, go in to do the news. But what was weird and fun about it was they just would leave me on longer and longer because they liked whatever the, the back and forth whoever was on it was a guy named Steve at the time and uh so eventually it became like a show but that was never the intention and I was always <laughs> I was always like I'm gonna be a serious newsman I tried yeah. to think, I, you know I did series on different issues and I went out and covered stuff and, it turned into a whole banter you know right. back and forth show and, right and nobody yeah. nobody really cared about all my attempts to get news stuff <laughs> so yeah that's what happened and then uh they just kind of went from there so now you also spent some time in, uh, for lack of a better term, secular world. Yeah. When it comes to radio, I mean, in other words, not a Christian station. You were on WD, WDWS out of Champaign for a while. I remember that. Yeah, and WPGU, which is 1071, is like a rock station. Yeah. I did that very poorly. The pig. It, and then, is that, is that what it is now? Well, I think that's what they used to call it back in the day. WPGU. Oh, the pig, WPGU, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't remember that, but when I was there, it, yeah, I, I wasn't very good at it. It was terrible. Just terrible. That's the thing. You go back and hear tapes. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. And um, Well, you got so much more experience now, so it makes sense, I guess. Yeah, and it's also you have to hear yourself because you have to go back. You have to make yourself listen to yourself to hear the disconnect between the way you think you sound and the way you actually sound. And so in my mind, I know I'm pretty monotone as it is, but in my mind, I was being like wild and crazy. Like I'm bringing the energy, I'm varying the tone. And then I would hear the actual tape and it was like, WPGU 107. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, so then, yeah, I worked there and then I worked at WWS a couple stints there, which is a, a news talk station with a great guy who was a manager at the time, Stevie J, who's still in the Champaign-Urbana radio scene, just a... A totally awesome guy so I did talk radio for a while I was on after Rush Limbaugh he'd be on for three hours and I'd be on for three hours after that and that was hard I was really stressed out about it but overall it was a really great experience hey, talk about that because I, I think that's what kind of you know looking back over your career that fascinated me when you were there just yeah. because it's like a three hour show you had to put together every single day so it's like doing the Rush Limbaugh I mean Rush Limbaugh was three hours right yeah. So and you come on after Rush, you do a local Champaign Urbana area. Yeah. But it's but it's anybody can call in kind of thing when you have call ins, right? Yeah. It's really hard. And I always wanted to interview people and debate stuff and talk about big issues and whatnot, but I didn't want to do it like Rush would. Like I wasn't into that per se. Like I I would throw people a little bit because I have some convictions obviously about politics or culture like anybody does but it wasn't just going to be I, i'm i'm only going to hit this one bell over and over and mm -hmm. over like i wanted to be fair to people and also have other people on the air totally disagree with me and um but the problem with that is you wind up studying you can imagine if you're doing a presentation coming up in front of thousands of people 
and it's for three hours. You can imagine the amount of study that you would feel you need to do. But to do that every day, it just wore on me like crazy. And I never I, felt like I was great at it. So I think I could have gotten really good at it, but I, I don't think I ever did. And the ratings were really good. I was pleased with that. But the stress was just too much. I just couldn't do it anymore. I was just, we, we had the kids and I was, I was always down on myself, really struggling with, with kicking myself for being not good enough. Um, and when you're not good enough and it's repeatedly on stage in front of thousands of people every day for three hours, it's really tough. Hmm. That's really hard. You just feel foolish every day. I, well, I, it's a big, and it's a big voice in Champaign-Urbana. I mean, they do totally. the Illinois games on that channel. I mean, yeah, and, used and to, and I think they still do. I'm trying to discuss things as a believer, be fair to people, also be entertaining, be clear not be unfair like mm -hmm. that's a that's a tough needle to thread remember one time you had like the president of the american atheist or something like that oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A, an atheist that was very outspoken yeah and kind of debated him had him on a few times actually i was i think he's passed away uh but that's paul kurz i think his name was he was a head of the american humanist association and uh, okay. he wrote he was a publisher of skeptic magazine which is still around and he had a begrudging respect for me, which I appreciated. A, that I would have him on, but B, like I would ask him questions he wasn't getting asked other places. And they were genuine, but that was actually really fun. If you can establish a rapport and people aren't used to people liking each other, but being on a completely different sides of the fence, that's that's kind of a fresh thing. What, what kind of response did you get from, I don't know, back and forth like that with, with someone who's on the opposite you know, almost opposite side when it comes to like theism. Obviously, you're you're a theist. You're believing God. He's an atheist. Doesn't, and 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 you also are in a community that's probably split as well. Yeah. You know, uh, that was really awesome. It really went well. I think it's because they didn't expect me to be kind. Hmm. That just wasn't a thing. Like you're supposed to make fun so that you win with your audience, but I had what I thought was the neatest. Thing on the way out there was an alternative newspaper very leftist very marxist very anti-christian by its own design right and the guy who wrote it's a smart guy the guy, the guy was the editor of it had a lot of people contributing to it but he wrote me a note after i quit and said i didn't agree with anything where you were coming from but i thought i thought if you set out to do a show that was actually fair to people and actually represented Christianity, you you hit your target. And I thought that was the best thing. I have that letter somewhere. That's awesome. Yeah, like he had yeah. never said a word, but at the end he's like, actually, that's the show that I would expect somebody who was a Jesus person to, to host. And cool. I thought that was the, I thought it was like the best. I was like incredibly encouraging on the way out. So That's awesome. So yeah. what, did, what did, can you just summarize, like, what, have, what have you, did you learn during that time of your life with WDWS that you just carried with you all the way through radio? Huh. Um, well, there's several things. Number one, like just, it's an inside radio thing, but, uh, I, I like to be kind to the callers. So somebody would call in, Hey, here's what I think about this. You know, when I, I was running my water the other day and there was some rust in it and I was like, Hey, I called the city and I was like, it had nothing to do with what I was talking about. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's interesting. Okay. 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 But, the thing in radio is you're supposed to say, thanks for your call, and you've already hung up on him. And I didn't want to do that. So, well, that's rude. 
but uh, my boss said, and I remember this to this day, sometimes by being kind to one person, you're being rude to everybody else. Mm. And I, I have realized that. Like in my mind, I'm being kind to this person, but now they're dominating the airwaves or they get to call every day and get on the air. Like, because I'm being nice. Well, that's rude to everybody listening. They don't want to hear that. Mm -hmm. So that was something I, I took away. And if, or rude to be other people waiting on the phone. Absolutely. To, to absolutely. But all of your listeners, like you, you, I'm trying to be welcoming. That's not actually welcoming. And that, that has wide application, I think, for relationships and all sorts of stuff. Like there's ways we think we're being nice, Midwest nice. That's actually not nice. Um, it actually causes more problems. That's a very me thing. Uh, I don't like conflict. Um, so that was, that was good to learn. Um, I'm trying to think of other stuff that I had to learn. You never know something as well as you think you do. I remember Mr. Zuber telling us that at Assumption High School in math, like before <laughs> tests, like you never know it as well as you think you do. So if you're going to go into a debate or something like, I got this. No, you don't. The other thing I learned too, people think they can do talk radio. They think they can do radio. Mm -hmm. Everybody does. Mm -hmm. And it's understandable because you think I can talk. Right. Of course I can talk. I can talk. My friends think I'm funny. I've got opinions. I got, oh, I got so many opinions. People tell me I got so many. I could get on there. And I, yeah, four and a half minutes in, you're done. You will be out of stuff to say. You don't think so, but you will be. So then the sweat starts trickling. I can remember the feeling of the, the sweat trickling down my side as I'm like, I don't have anything to say. The commercial's about over. I've got to go on the air in 15, 14, 13. I've got eight minutes to fill here. 12, 9, 8, 7, 6. I have three seconds. Okay. Hey, this is News Talk 1400 DWS ran here. As I'm taking a breath, like, what am I going to say? <laughs> it's yeah. terrible. So, so preparation is so vital. Totally. Yeah. So I'm Mr. Prep now. It's, that's the thing that I do a lot of every day is a lot of prep. I feel that pressure. And I don't want to waste anybody's time. Yeah, and for our listeners, you need to know that he only agreed to do this interview if he did not have to prep. That's a fact. <laughs> I told Darren, I'm like, my brain is toasted. I said, I just want to talk. It's okay. Totally. And this is totally fun too. As long as I don't have to prepare it, I can't do another thing. It's, there's so much that goes into it. It's 20 things a day. I was telling Darren, so that's, that's what I have to normally, it takes me three hours each day. And I've got to come up with 20 things to say that are either at least somewhat funny or something or entertaining or some kind of fresh or at least a, a fresh reminder of something about, about spirituality, about who God is, about Jesus in a way that we haven't done before. And that's just that, you know, you do it one day, you get through it. You're like, Oh my gosh, I got through it. It's interesting though. It's like you, I mean, here you are in your early fifties and you're still, still doing it. Yeah. And I mean, you've as hard as it's been, as challenging as it's been. And then, after WDWS, it's been years ago, and I, I realize that we're getting into past stuff, but I just thought this would be refreshing for you to talk about. I think the thing, but you you were in some really big market Christian radio, mm -hmm. like uh, in Houston. Mm -hmm. You were in, also in K-Love, which a lot of our people at church even know who, who K-Love is out of California. It's uh -huh. so big. Uh, worked with Air One, which uh -huh. was with K-Love. you know K -Love. Uh, just out, just from those years, you even won the Dove Award. He won't say it; he'll be modest. But you won the Dove Award, you know, with the uh, Golden Microphone Award. 
uh, radio personality of the year. Is that what it was exactly? I or? can't remember. It was uh, they stopped <laughs> doing it, um, but uh, yeah, I won that back I, in the day. I won yeah. a few of yeah. This is really, really, really encouraging, incredibly encouraging for somebody that's always like, I'm terrible, I'm terrible. That's what I've always struggled with, which is not good. It's not humility either. You worked with the Way Stations? Way I'm FM. At, Way still FM on Way stations? FM. I'm actually still in Houston on Engine, still on in these other markets, just yeah. different stations or whatever. So I'm just, I'm just, I mean, you've been in some really popular stations, big markets. Um, I don't know what, I'm just looking for a takeaway. Like what, what, in those experiences, can you give me anything that you're just really proud of? Maybe something that was a challenge? Yeah. Well, well here's a challenge I was talking about recently. And there are a couple of things. Number one, I try to tell people who are in Christian radio, like, remember why the heck people actually tune to your station? Hmm. It's, they're looking for something. It's not because the music is head and shoulders better quality than right. all the other music. It's just not. Like, if we're, if we're on par in terms of production and stuff, that's awesome. But it's like, people are looking for God, hmm. right? I mean, they want to know him. They're looking for some kind of community or some kind of reassurance or they're lonely, some kind of connection, some kind of reminder that they don't need to wor be worried and anxious or some, something like that. So when you're talking about consistently about, um, you know, waiting in line at McDonald's and how you don't, and you know, you're in the drive through and who's, what's your favorite thing to order at Miss Starbucks? Like, that's not why people tuned in. Hmm. I mean, it's part of being human. So I'll talk about stuff that's, but I'm not going to go on about it. Like I'll go, I'll say something, drop it, but I want at least half. If they're tuning in for 15, 20 minutes, I'm going to talk about Jesus at some point or something pointing them to hopefully a yearning for wanting God. Hmm. That's why you they tune it. And I'm doing it because I believe it too. But like just even strategically, like just don't try to be cool. Why would you, why, that's not why people are there. So people get frustrated listening to Christian radio sometimes because the radio hosts are thinking we want to be welcoming. And that means talking about cookie recipes. And, but it's like, but welcoming to what? Yeah. Yeah. People want something. It's like going to a church and they don't offer you anything. Like, well, they just, okay, I just heard an inspiring lesson about motivating myself for work and nothing to do with Jesus. Like, okay, all right, but I can get that anywhere. So anyway, that's one big thing. Um, another big thing is in any job, all of us, we're always attracted to what gets attention or gets positive feedback. And we start doing more of that. So what can happen if you're on a Christian radio station or any radio station, let's say you pick some sort of a niche subject and I'm trying to think of an example. Well, I could, t I could talk about autism, for instance. So I'm on the spectrum, but if I make that my thing, that's all I talk about, I'll have people coming out of the woodwork like, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so glad that's all you talk oh, about. Oh yeah, sure. So I'll get all this feedback and then I'll start doing that all the time. But everybody else is like, that's not really my thing. I appreciate you talking about it. It's not my thing. Like, but we tend to gravitate towards that. So if somebody says, glory, hallelujah, on the air one time, someone will call and go, well, thank you, brother, for finally saying glory, hallelujah. But I've, someone's finally talking my language. And then you're like, oh, I should say glory, hallelujah all the time. Next thing you know, you become this cartoon version because mm. that's how we humans are. Right. We get a little bit of good feedback about something. I need to do that all the time. Like preacher, I love it when you do those knock-knock jokes. Maybe right. you did one knock-knock joke. Next thing you know, like people like my knock knock jokes. Well, most people probably that's don't. That's why I use them. I know you do. That's why I figured I'd go with that. <laughs> that's your go to. Yeah. Usually, as a part of your invitation. Yeah. But like, <laughs> th 
that can really distort the work you're doing. It's the positive stuff that will throw you. Hmm. Classic example, and I can't remember if I told you, but there's this study, and forgive me if I have, but there's a study where actually, it wasn't a study, it was a joke. It was in college, but college students did this to a professor where every time he walked over to one side of the room, well, he, he would go back and forth. And they decided before he came in, every time he'd walk towards the windows on one side of the room while he was talking, they would all smile and look, make eye contact. And then every time he'd drift to the other side, to the door, they would look away like disinterested, you know, roll their eyes, yawn. We did that in our college. Did you? Yeah. To one of our professors, every time he, we all talked before, it was a big class, <laughs> 7.30 in the <laughs> morning, and we great. all talked ahead of time. And every time he had a habit of putting his foot up on a, a metal chair. So every time he put his foot up on the metal chair, we all sat up and paid attention. And every time he took the chair. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And we, and we noticed he just kept coming back to the chair and putting his foot up all the time. Just that's And he had funny. no idea what was going on. But No, but you you internalize that feedback. Right, right. Well, in this in this example, the guy's just pressed up against the windows by the end of the class. He's like putting his body over there while he's talking. I'm not even thinking about it, probably. But just you unwittingly go where your ego is stroked. I'm not even saying that is a bad thing. It's just like that's that's who we are. But that can be very distorting. Mm. Somebody said mm -hmm. to those people, all those people on American Idol auditions who are horrible, somebody said, hey, you're really great. You need to go. Yeah, and then somebody's mom said, you're really great. No one gave them the truth or nobody. And that can really distort who you are on the air. And you, be, it, you can't pay attention to that. You just, mm. you get a few calls and you think everybody's calling. No, not everybody. It's three people out of three million or whatever, like... Anyway, there's a couple takeaways I would say based on having a large a, a large platform that can really mess you up. Good's not always good, is what you're saying. You know, it's no. It's more about what do people really need. No, and if you put up yeah. if if you're doing this on Facebook or Twitter or anything, Instagram, like oh, I got a lot of likes on that. You're more apt to do that thing again. That's just how humans are. But it it's not it's maybe not what you're supposed to be doing. That's really good. I. The first point you were talking about how uh, people are looking for Jesus. Yeah, you know, how right. many people I have talked to who have have told me that they are trying to get back on track with their faith. They've had addiction issues. They've had marriage issues. Whatever. I mean, you name it. I'm not trying to like single anybody out. I'm just saying I've had a lot of different people tell me one of the things they do to change their habits is listen to WBGL. Yeah, I believe it. They they turn it on yep. in the morning. Because they were not doing that before, and right. they feel like somehow, some way, that is going to help them stay on the track with with Jesus. Oh, totally. Now, well, I'm, I think not, I'm not saying it does. I, I imagine. <laughs> I'm just it, saying. I that imagine they, it. They're does. convinced it does. I'm imagine. I imagine it does. If you think about it, like just what do I set my mind on in the morning? I was. I just memorized. I'm not going to memorize. I never have been, but I just memorized a verse in Psalms, a couple of verses where it says, "Cause me to hear Thy loving kindness in the morning, for in Thee I put my trust." Cause me to know the ways wherein I should walk, for I, for I lift up my I lift my soul up un, unto you. Um, but the first part of that, like, cause me to hear of your loving kindness in the morning. Like, mm -hmm. cause me to remind me. This is David, mm -hmm. right? It was it's to start your day with a reminder of who you are, who God is. That changes. People everything. know they need it, right? And my, it, my point is, those are listening. They turn on the radio for that. Yes, a Christian radio station. And right. if the Christian radio station is talking about recipes, worse or some sometimes a snark. It's yeah. like, I'm trying to be cool and hip and I'm sarcastic. And I'm like, I look, yeah. I love sarcasm and everything like that, but that's not why people are there. They need some encouragement. Boy, this is so parallel with the church, folks. Totally. I mean, 
people come, I, I don't know how many people I've told that to. I said, people come in our doors on, so we have a built-in evangelism in our culture because when people are looking for God, they walk into your church on Sunday morning. Right. And if they hear anything but Jesus, there's something sadly mistaken. Totally. <laughs> you know, well, especially at a church, but we can be the same way, just like you're talking about at a Christian radio. Absolutely. We can get so sidetracked. How weird if the culture reaches the end of itself where people actually start asking questions where they're like, this isn't working what we're doing here. We've talked about this, the radical self-expression like winds up loneliness. How how unfortunate would it be, tragic, if people are looking for Jesus and we're too cool to give it give him to him. Hmm. Now they want him and we're yeah. too cool. We're we're out doing other stuff. Like what what in the world? I don't know. And I always it's a, it's a big disconnect. It is. I always feel like, mm-hmm. hey, if you want to be a personality on the radio, for instance, who wants to talk about cookie recipes, awesome. But don't please don't gum up the Christian radio stations with that, if that's your main thing. Same thing with preachers. Like yeah. you want to be a motivational speaker, whatever. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Go for it. But please don't, please don't. When people are looking for Jesus, like, please don't gum that well, up. We've been having that discussion a little bit with philosophy of ministry behind the scenes with some of our staff. And one thing I I just kept bringing up was the fact that. There's nothing, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with a Sunday morning service being seeker-friendly, meaning that you're caring about that person that's walking that doesn't know Christ. Sure. Now, there's some churches have gone to the point of where they say, well, what that means, though, is is that we we try to water things down. We try to make you feel more comfortable, uh-huh. therefore not. And I, but I, I think the problem has been is not the mentality of wanting to reach someone who doesn't know Jesus. It's that we're not going to reach him with that kind of stuff. It should be, the sermons should be, I don't know, tougher for lack of a better term when it comes to sticking with the gospel, more challenging. It should be almost, uh, should be the opposite. How about, of what yeah, we're, how, right. How about, um, do you want to follow Jesus? We're going to talk about how to do that. Yeah, which so is easy. About, here's about how to love your enemies. Next two yeah. weeks, week after that, here's how to bless those who persecute, or bless people who don't, who are causing you problems. Let's talk about actually how to follow Jesus, do that stuff. It is challenging. It is tough. But that's actually what we're actually supposed to be doing anyway. Well, so. Talk to me a little bit about some of the response you've had because of that type of straightforwardness on the radio, on the radio and in your podcast. I, I, I think it's gone well. I think it's gone very well. I, I, I can't say definitively, but I... You know, because again, the feedback you can get is anecdotal. I mean, people are going to feedback. Right. Most people, if they don't like you, they'll just tune out. They're not going to write you and go, you know, I felt like you were too spiritual. But um, I don't. I wouldn't know any other metric other than we're on a bunch of stations and and sure, it's grown. And I'm and, and the industry itself, thankfully, is asking us a lot of questions. I think it's really cool. I'm honored having done this so long, like to have people say, how, how can we also do this is really cool. It's interesting because I know your heart and I know that you don't, you don't want to share it just in the sense of like, oh, this is effective for radio. Oh, no. It's more no. about, it's not like you're putting on pretense. No, no, not at it's all. It's more about just be yourself and pursue Jesus it, and not be afraid to talk about it instead of like putting on some sort of airs. This is the key to communication, I think, for anybody. 
anywhere, anytime. And I, I, again, I have had the advantage. I don't, I don't think I'm an expert at all. Nobody is, but I have had the advantage of years of trial and error of over and over and over trying to be as succinct as possible when I'm talking. That's what I do. How can I say that thing that I could spend 90 minutes on, but I'm going to say it in hopefully 45 seconds where mm-hmm. it's understandable. Mm-hmm. But the key to me is you is be yourself, but not just be yourself. It's be yourself through the lens of whoever is listening in, in, in a way that is not, I should put it another way. Be yourself in a way that honors the person listening. Mm-hmm. Empathetic be empathetic to your listeners how many times have you ever heard preachers or whatever so you don't realize everybody's tuned out you don't see that you're not aware of that you don't realize you've just gone on and on and on and you could have cut this off you mm-hmm. know 20 minutes ago it's lack of empathy kind of like be aware of yourself but don't think of yourself yeah well you want to you want to you want to not be fake you want to be yourself right but understand like if i go on about the you know, the 78 Red Sox, for instance, on my show, <laughs> I'm, that's me. That's totally yeah. me. But if I'm doing it on the radio with the, with this audience that's there for Christian music, right? then I'm not being empathetic. Uh, I'm not being empathetic if, if I just talk about my interests on the radio. So right. I do want to talk about my interests, but only through the lens. So I will mention things that I like, but only through the lens of understanding that the person who's sitting across the table from me, you know, metaphorically, um, is may not be interested in that. So that's been really helpful for me when I ever do public speaking too, is just being dialed in to, am I actually being empathetic to where they're coming from? I think it's, I think it's communicating. Well, New Hope Underground audience is a very unique audience and uh, they, they love to talk about the 78 Red And songs. I know they do. And that's, that's, well, they're also tuning in deliberately because of you. So, <laughs> so but for me on the radio, it's a different thing. Cause I, some people are tuning in for me or Sherry or both. Right. But a lot of people are just clicking on the radio stations. So like, Hey, I want some tunes. Right. Well, I gotta be aware of that. That's the room that I'm in. On the podcast, I can go on about the 78 Red Sox and just say, hey, for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to talk about the Red Sox. And if you want to <laughs> want to bow out, go right ahead. Um, but that's that's the room that we're in. Yeah. That's empathy. Again, because you can do that here, but I can't do it there. Right. Who's listening and what are they actually looking for? And do I love them? And no, if I, I do, I'm going to serve them. I think that's really, really good. And I, I think the same way as a preacher, like you said, when you, you do public speaking, I mean, you're trying to... And I get mad at myself sometimes. I'm like, man, that went way too long. You know, what in the world am I thinking? And then I'll get feedback that sounds like the opposite. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, you know, that didn't seem long at all in this mm-hmm. name. But who's going to tell you it was? You know I mean? Very you've got to be a little few. bit harder on yourself than... You do. Uh, There's a weird... Here's the way I prepare so much, too. And I know you I know you prep a lot, too, but you probably had this happen. Maybe I'll go speak up front somewhere and prep and prep because I'm really wor- worried. About, I want to make sure I do a good job and it goes great. It just as a home run. I have this next time I want to go up and be like, I got this. And then it was going to be terrible because I didn't prep like that. So the next time after that, I'm like, boy, I was terrible. I said, I left a horrible taste. I'm going to nail this thing and I prep, prep, prep. And then it's really good. And then I'm like, okay, I got this the next time. Like I got to quit doing that. <laughs> so I've realized every single time, even if it's something I've already talked about 10 times, yeah, like, I've got to prepare, be nervous, all of that, um, for this to be effective for the people that are gathered in front of me. If that makes any sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. One last question. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that is this. 
we've already we've already kind of nailed down the idea that you've been how long you've been doing this, the fact that you're still doing this. What drives you ultimately to keep going? I mean, why why are you still in this field? Yeah. What is behind it really? And maybe you've already said this during the time of this interview. Maybe not. You can revisit it if you want, but maybe there's something new you could share because I, I've often experienced myself that there are, it's like any other job. There are times you just want to pack it in and say, I'm done. Totally. <laughs> and there are times when you're just so, you've got yourself so blessed that you even have this job. And, I don't want to, I think everyone has that. And I know you do too, just like anybody else, but I'm just curious, like dig down deep here a little bit. Uh-huh. What, why you, why are you still doing it? What, what really drives you? I think there's a, I think I'm a mixed bag of motives. One hand, it's been successful, quote unquote, compared to what I thought. And I, so it's hard for me to back out of that. It's just hard. Um, that said, I, could and I think I'd be happy not doing this I think I'd be happy I don't like all the words that I have to spew forth I just feel like there, there's a there's a proverb about where there are many words foolishness is not far behind or something like that and I just I, just, I feel I feel a little bit ashamed of the fact that I'm always pumping out the words on the radio or in print and I ask God to have mercy on me for that. So I, I, I do think it'd be nice not to have to be on social media. I'm on social media because of this job. Um, I, I wouldn't mind disappearing in some ways, but it's been successful. I've paid bills. Um, and I'm not really that great at anything else. So... I don't mean that to run myself down, but I don't know what else. I don't know what else to do other than say God's given me some gifts. I should just own it, enjoy that. Say, hey, I'm good at this, and that's okay. That's part of humility too. Is going, hey, I'm good at this, bad at that. I don't have to be like I'm terrible at everything. I, I mean, I must not. I must not be bad at this. I must not. And if I'm going to contribute to the kingdom, maybe I can use my gifts, and maybe this is bearing fruit. It seems to be, it, it, it seems to be, and I love that I get to work with Cure, for instance, so I love being able to point this in the right way, I hope. So that's probably not a, a super spiritual sounding answer, but I, I mean, I think God softened my heart so that I do, I do love the person who's listening and I've seen good fruit come out of it. I also get to work with Sherry, who's incredibly encouraging and wonderful, uh, my wife keeps me going. So, yeah, I'm very thankful that I get to do this. So, it probably sounds more d- depressing than it is. No, it sounds depressing. Okay, good. good. No, that's awesome. Really thankful. It, it seems like it's bearing fruit and... It doesn't matter what it sounds like anyway. Yeah. It's, truth is truth. Yeah, right. And, you know, this is the answer you get. And, again, I think we're all a mixed bag. There's all sorts of stuff that go into that. Um, would I like to do something some other time? Yeah, probably, but I'm really, really thankful for this. So, well, that's awesome. Hey, I appreciate it very much. I think that, you know, just as an outsider in the sense of not being with you every moment, but being close to you as your brother, you, I, 
you didn't, it's, successful was kind of, gosh, I always hate that word. I hate the word because it's so, it's, it really is defined differently by everybody. Totally. And should be, you know, mm-hmm. I've got no problem with that, with that. But, uh, in my book, I mean, I, looking at you, you've been extremely successful with impact on all sorts of people. And if any, anybody listening just wants to get on Facebook and look at the table of misfits or, uh, it's a table. It is table, yeah, of, table of misfits, misfits. which is which comes out of one of his books. But a lot of people are on there commenting, and people are actually asking for prayer. And I mean, there's there's a whole community that's kind of come out of the work that you've done, and people encouraging each other mm-hmm. as Christians, brothers, you know, brothers and sisters. I think that's fantastic. And also to know that um, there's something about I don't know, just something seemed like to turn on in you a little more when you started working with Cure. Hmm, yeah. Uh, because there was that extra incentive. Yeah. If you will. And I remember when you first started that and even took a big leap of faith by leaving some of the big Christian radio stations to to work solely, you know, under a cure, if you will, and to do your own podcast. And so, so, for, so to, and some cure almost kind of pushed you out there and made you experience, you know, and do, do some things and experience some things that you maybe thought you weren't ever going to. Totally. And it, not it, only that, but it's given, you know, there's a, give you some purpose. It does. And it gives me something to talk about on the air where I can, I can say, this is what the kingdom looks like, you know, cause you want to talk about the kingdom. It's great. And there's theory and, you know, I can tell stories, but man, this is, there you go. And that way I can talk about it. And I'm not just preaching at people. It just sounds like, um, that's just the reality. It's a, it's a great visual picture of the kingdom. Well, check it out, folks, cure.org. Anyway, um, one thing we have to do, because it's a tradition here at New Hope Underground, we don't have very many traditions, but this is one of them. Every time I do an interview, I do a what's called a two-minute drill. And uh, I'm just going to throw out some subjects. You answer as quickly as possible. Sure. I'm going to try to make it in two minutes. It's not always two minutes. but So uh, the two-minute drill begins now. You have to, let's say you're going to have another child and you have to name them after an American president. Which hmm. president would it be? Um, president, I'm going to pick somebody. Uh, Millard Fillmore, maybe? Millard? <laughs> Mill. Mill Hans is cool. Yeah. Would you rather wrestle a rabbit hyena or a rabid mongoose? Which one are you going for? They're both rabid. Wrestling. I, mongoose, I have much chance, much better chance to win and probably die later from the rabies so <laughs> we'll go with that favorite south florida restaurant oh man probably um i know it's touristy and everything but we love utiki in jupiter on the water it's really awesome awesome yeah european city yeah you could visit which one for one day if you had a choice right now go right now san gimiano in um tuscany Fantastic. i spend more time there it's incredible Favorite St. Louis Cardinals player? All time? All time. Ozzy. Ozzy Smith. I mean, yeah, I mean, good grief. You could hang out for a day with any famous person in the world, alive or dead. Who? Uh, Anybody alive or dead? Wow, if they're dead, I could hang out. <laughs> and, well, let's say they come back to life. Just for an this interpreter? Meeting. Huh? Do we have a translator? Sure. I guess I guess if, if, if Jesus... Jesus is off the table. Off the sorry. T- yeah, I'm presuming he's off the table. And I guess maybe uh, Paul. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of other people I'd love to spend time with. But yeah, that'd be cool. You've been installed as a dictator of an island nation. What's the first thing on your agenda? Um, 
I have the letter M stricken from the English language. <laughs> to throw back to Steve Martin. If you have, if you, you have to have a, a new pet, would you rather have a bird named Mr. Tweeter or a hamster named Miss Fluffybottom? Uh, I don't want another bird ever again, so I'll go with Miss Fluffybottom. Okay. If you were going to be a missionary and you had to go right now, what country would you go to? Oh, gosh. I think Italy. Favorite author right now? Hmm. Wow, that's good. Uh, it's gonna. It sounds highfalutin. I don't, and I'm not. But Dostoevsky. I'm rereading Brothers Karamazov. Awesome. And marveling at him. Now here's the last part. It's called "Bring It On" or "Run for My Life." I say something, you say "Bring It On," or you say "Run for My Life." Okay. Okay. Anchovies on pizza. Run for my life. The Backstreet Boys. Run for my life. A dude ranch. Run for my life. Return to your high school days. Uh, right for my life. <laughs> An American safari, African safari, sorry, African safari. Oh, yeah, bring that on, that's cool. 30 people over for dinner. Uh, right for my life. Singing in the shower. Uh, yeah, bring that on. White Castle. Ah, bring it on. All right, there yeah. you go. Hey, thanks. Sweet. Hope we did well on that. Thanks for being on. My pleasure. Keep checking us out for upcoming episodes once a week. If you are interested in listening to another interview with Brandt, we talk about personal obstacles we all put up to block community in our lives. Check it out on our sister podcast, GL Talk. Thank you for joining us.